0: Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. Had a little um, hiatus with some bronchitis, but I am back. Stronger than ever before an exciting um, exciting time right now because in Los Angeles there's a great event it's focused on the future of retail and how technology and retail are coming together to create great experiences And so I'm really excited to have my guest today, Kevin Koop who is a writer, author and has a lot of expertise around this area and we'll get into more details but let's have a tech cat. Welcome for Kevin Koop <laughs> How's hey, that, everybody. Kevin? Do you like how the studio audience That's
2: goes great. wild? I like that. I like, it. I, I, I like that. I wish I could get my kids to do that when I walk in my room. But <laughs> I, just, I know. I wouldn't that be
1: great? That, does, if it
2: just, that doesn't happen.
1: Is, yeah, if it just followed you wherever you go. Well, you are a, yeah. a writer for more than 30 years. Um, you're an author of a book called Retail Rules, 40, 52 Ways to Achieve Retail Success, um, and you're the host of a podcast called Retail Tomorrow that features innovators from the worlds of retail brands, technology, and academia. So there's a, real, a lot of excitement around retail and the future of retail and the innovation space. So um, I would love to, to hear from you, Kevin. Tell us about how you began your road to, to being an author and now a, a, you know, an expert um, in many different content categories, but specifically in, in the future of retail.
2: Well, and I, I will correct you on one thing. I've actually been a writer for almost forty-five years. Oh my God, um, I've, time I've, I've, has I've, passed. I've, 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 <laughs> yeah, really. It's um, I don't know, I don't know how that happened uh, exactly. Um, the um, I've been actually covering business though for about uh, a little more than thirty years. I, I, listen. I got out of college. I actually went to school at Loyola Marymount University. I, I went. I was a film major, um, but never worked in the film industry. I did learn, one of the things I learned was I wanted to be a writer. Got out of school and um, uh, bounced around a little bit, but decided I wanted to be a newspaper reporter. And the reason, there were two reasons. First of all, I'd seen all the president's men and said, that looks cool. And, but the other reason is they paid you to write every day. And I said, that's what I want. I want a job with a pay me to write every day. So I was basically you know, working in what now is often referred to as the dead tree news business. Um, in the sense that I, you know, I was a local newspaper reporter covering meetings in the very old-fashioned sense of the word, um, and you know, I I have sort of chuckle about it sometimes because if I'd stayed in that business, I would probably be unemployed right now, um, simply because newspapers have have you know gotten to a lot of trouble. There's still a lot of newspapers that are in trouble that are not putting any money behind uh, their news gathering operations. Some newspapers, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, those kinds of papers, they're doing great because there's so much news right now, um, but they are the exception to the rule, and it remains to be seen whether that's a long-term trend or a short-term. Um, but I ended up working, I then worked in for business magazines, I actually ran a, um, a, a video business uh, for a long time where we produced regular videos about retail, so I went to um, six of the seven continents. The only reason I didn't go to Antarctica is there were no stores there. Produced um, a ton of videos over the, over about a 10-year period um, talking to really outstanding retailers all over the world um, about what they were doing and how they were doing it. And, uh, and after that, so I worked in newspapers, then I worked in magazines, then I worked in video, and, that, and then I worked on the Internet. Uh, so my career has sort of followed um, technology, as it has developed, I always say that you know, before I'm done, I will probably be coming to people's homes and offices via hologram, um, <laughs> uh, which will only mean that which will mean that I can't do some of my writing in my pajamas. It was what it would probably be. But anyway, so you know, I always uh, but I always look at at sort of my career and and I I one of the things I do now, in addition to everything else, is I teach at Portland State University in Oregon during the summers. And I will often ex- tell the students about sort of my track and explain to them that one of the things you have to do is be willing, willing and able to adapt to changing technologies. And you have to be willing to, to try things that you don't necessarily know how to do, um, be, simply because that's always going to be where the opportunities are. You get a lot more opportunities by saying, yes, I'll, I can do that, as opposed to saying, no, I don't think so. That's not what I do. Um, and so that's, that's sort of how it, uh, my career has played out. I never expected, um, you're getting a soliloquy here, so stop me anytime. I never <laughs> expected that I would spend as much time as I have spent, um, covering the retail business. Um, you know, I figured, uh, you know, uh, tell you, tell you a very quick story. So I was working very, you know, briefly in, in uh, I was in public relations and the company that I was working for went out of business. It happened to be the last day of, Business was the day my wife and I were closing on our house, our first house. And it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And we decided, well, we were going to go in and we were going to buy the house because technically they say, has your employment uh, status changed? Well, it hasn't changed that day. The next day I was unemployed, but that day I had a job. So we signed up for the house, and then I knew I had very quickly had to get a job. And I got a job working for a magazine that covered retail. And I figured, okay, I'll do this for six months and then I'll go do something else. And that was 1984. Um, simply because it ended up being that, and, and you know this from what you cover, is that you know, retail is a highly dynamic um, segment of business in which there has been so many changes since 1984 that um, there has given me a lot to write about. And there's tons of drama. There, there, are, there are actual stories, if you go look at them, to that track how how businesses have changed and how connecting with the customer has changed. Neighborhood mom-and-pop's moving into the walls, walls moving into superstores, superstores becoming international in, 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 uh, in scope, and then obviously moving online. So there's been a wonderful kind of dramatic through line to Mike into to what I have written about over the last 30-plus years, which has um, kept me busy busy and kept me interested and I've gotten to go to a lot of really interesting places to uh, to write about these folks, and is
1: the so the new book is um, the big picture essential business lessons from the movies. But is that is that uh, that's a obviously a separate topic? But was that inspired by all of your insights around retail? Well, well,
2: yeah, I mean, we and actually it's not; it's the of the two books. It's the older book. Um, In fact, my co-author Michael Sanstolo and I are are writing a sequel now called called inevitably the bigger picture um, and, <laughs> the big, and the big picture was inspired by the fact to a great extent by the fact that Michael who also started out in the newspaper business and Michael writes a column for my website which is called Morning Newsbeat um, Michael and I would you know talk on a Monday and you know we would talk about movies we'd seen over the weekend and inevitably we would talk about business lessons that we got you know themes we said oh that's really interesting that was a business lesson from this a business lesson from that and at a certain point, we just kind of looked at each other and said, okay, there's a book here somewhere. And so, what, so it, it grew out of the fact that, I mean, partially I was a film major, so I was totally into the movies. I was seeing of movies I was just learning to look at them a different way. And that's sort of where the, uh, the, the book came out of. And it ended up, I mean, after we wrote the book, we ended up talking to people who said, who would tell us about how they used the movies even before they had read our book and they had said, "Oh this is really good because it helps me as a guidebook I mean the, the premise is very simple the premise is that um, any business or frankly any person but any business can do better and be more successful if they know how to tell a story right? if you have a story that you a narrative then it always it always plays better in terms of getting you to where you want to go. My friend, Jim Donald, who uh, used to be the CEO of Starbucks, now the CEO of Albertsons. He likes to say, you got to have a fish story. Cause if you have a fish story, it's the thing that people will hook to your name and will always get you further along because they'll, you know, it's the thing they will remember you by. And that becomes really important. So basically what we did is we wrote up this book, which has got a couple of hundred movies in it. Um, Offering examples of movies that provided business lessons that people could use in, as metaphors if they didn't know how to tell their own stories, and that oh, was the gotcha. uh, that was the impetus for the book.
1: That's, and that's great. And so much of <laughs> what retail is about right now, <clears throat> and and the innovations around retail, it is communicating um, that product, that brand, that experiences story. So I could see how. All of this, um, you know, really winds together, and obviously, because you're talking to people every week on your show, you really have your your, your fingers wrapped around um, a lot of what's happening in the space. So we're going to need to take a break, but when we come back, I would love to hear from you on um, what are some of the hot trends in retail as it maybe comes to storytelling or this merger between the physical and the digital. That you know, we all um, talk about um, all the time. And, and also, who are some of your favorite retailers? Who's, who's doing it right? Right?
2: Okay. Look forward to it.
1: And we'll, So we're going to be back on, in a moment. We're talking to Kevin Koop, who is also, um, according to his bio, the content guy. <laughs> but he's also he's an author. He's an expert in um, retail and the future of retail, um, as well as a podcaster himself. So we'll be back in a moment with the fabulous Kevin Koop on the Tech Cat Show.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
3: If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization,
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
3: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv.
1: Hi, everybody, and we're back, and we've been talking to the fabulous Kevin Koop, who is the content guy. Kevin is an author and an expert on retail um, and in town for a Retail Tomorrow event. And um, I want to know, Kevin, what are some of the uh, trends around retail and the future of retail that are bubbling up right now, that are getting people excited?
2: Um, I think that the, one of the I – was mean, clearly, on. I mean, e-commerce, right? I mean, that's the easy one. I mean, that is the trend that where where – Um, that so many retailers are are grappling with trying to figure out how to compete with that. Um, You know, and I think one of the things that retailers are, one of the reasons they're struggling with it is there's two, there's, there's a couple of different ways if you're going to compete with an, with an online retailer. Let's, I think there's a little company up in Seattle, Amazon, people probably heard (laughs) of them. So if you want to compete with Amazon, one of the things you have to start to figure out is, well, okay, what is going to be my strategy? And, And it, it often falls, at me, I'm going to way oversimplify this, but it seems to me it often falls into you can take one of two lanes. You can co- try and compete with Amazon on the things that Amazon does, or you can try to compete with Amazon on the things it doesn't do or it certainly does not do well. And um, the vast majority of retailers, it seems to me, um, really ought to choose that second lane and, be- and uh, because... You know, there's things you're never going to be able to beat Amazon just simply because of size, simply because they have more money than everybody else. The cost of money for them to to borrow money um, and invest in things is so much cheaper simply because of, uh, you know, things like their stock price and the way they're capitalized. Um, And so it's where I think we're going to see really interesting um, and innovative trends is as retailers in a wide variety of, of categories uh, or segments start to look for the ways they can compete that are different from what Amazon does or, are there, or they're at least attacking the areas that Amazon doesn't do particularly well. For example, um, fresh food. Now, I, I, the one caveat there is that you know Amazon now owning Whole Foods is going to get better at fresh food. So the window is not going to be open forever, but it seems to me if I were a food retailer and I were competing with Amazon, who's getting more and more into the food business, one of the things that I would do a much better job of and really focus my attention on, uh, would be, you know, bakery, deli, fresh produce, meat, seafood, the categories that they're simply not going to be as good at except in their whole food stores. Um, but that's where you start to – that's where I think you're going to start to see some of the innovation um, kind of bubble up, if you will.
1: Right. I love I that can, point. I can go, I'll, I'll tell you, just to, just to quickly interrupt, I have a um, a bone to pick with Amazon because right now returning things is actually really hard. Um, and I don't know that everyone's encountered this, but now it won't let me return things without a cost unless I drop it off at a Amazon locker or at a Kohl's. Isn't that the strangest you thing?
2: You can't ma- mail it back? You can't use the post office?
1: You can, you can mail it back or you can send it back, but you have to pay. It's not really? a free return anymore.
2: Really? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. I know. Um, so now I, I'm I, actually I let-
1: changing my shopping. I'm changing how I buy things now because I'm not buying anything on Amazon that requires trying on, or that is something that I might return. I'm only buying packaged goods from them now.
2: What's interesting about that is when is that they own Zappos, right? And Zappos yes. has exactly the opposite philosophy. You can deliver, yes. you can return it for a year with absolutely no problem at all. I'm a little, I'm a little surprised to hear that. I frankly haven't run into it because I don't think I, I don't think I've returned anything to Amazon in in years. Um, yeah. But I tend not to buy things that need to be tried on from them. So um, so that's really interesting. and
1: So I'm I'm changing my behavior, and you're absolutely right. I am now buying shoes that I buy online, and mostly it's like kids' stuff that I do this with. Um, I'm using Zappos because Zappos still has a fabulous return policy. So it's it's interesting that now my behavior is changing.
2: The uh, you know I think one of the things that's going to happen with Amazon is not to go down too deep into the into the Amazon rabbit hole. But I do think we're, we're going to see them testing out different kinds of policies to see what works, to see what, um, what doesn't work. You know, are, they're going to try to... Amazon has always been, always been very good at figuring out what the consumer pain points are and then addressing those. But I think that um, they will probably, if inevitably... Um, they will probably create their own pain points at some point. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to have to address those as well. Um, you know, they, uh, I mean, Jeff Bezos has always said that, it, you know, the, as the company gets bigger, the size of its mistakes have to get bigger as well. And right, so, so the pain points will be... get bigger,
1: right. That will, right. And, that, and that's a fair
2: point. That's a fair point. And, and the question is, do, you know, do they get pushback on it? Do they get blowback on it? Do they see, do they see consumer habits changing? know, one thing we do know about Amazon is that they, they are, they are um, uh, carnivorous when it comes to collecting data, and and they are, they have, they're not afraid to use it. <laughs> they are expert at using it. So. It is entirely possible that um it, it, that they've done this because they said hey you know something let's see if this affects people's shopping habits and they could find out that there are you know 5 million people just like you who change their shopping habits and stop buying things they used to buy a lot of and they could and they could say okay we need to go back to the way it was or we need to adjust it to make our return policy more attractive or they could find out there were twelve people just like you, and it really didn't affect a lot of a lot of folks. Um, they are not, a, but a, you know, listen—they're not afraid to make make mistakes. I wish more retailers were like that. I wish more retailers um, were, we're, were afraid like that. Of, the notion <laughs> yeah. of making mistakes. What about mistakes.
1: Um, What are some other trends um, besides e-commerce that are interesting?
2: Well, I think the whole notion of—I of, mean, clearly—and it. And it takes us down that second lane that I was talking about before is I do think you're going to see more, more companies focusing on, on, on some sort of experiential marketing, um, trying to figure out ways to make the physical location um, more compelling, more attractive, have it tell a story uh, than have done it in the past. I think you're going to see um, companies really focusing on the physicality of the place. Sometimes linking it back to um, to what's being sold online by those same companies, and, and sometimes not, uh, depending on, on what the business happens to be. I think that. Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to see another trend is going to simply be smaller stores. You're going to see uh, a lot of retailers making the decision that, you know, they don't need to open the same kind of stores they used to be um, opening because customer needs have changed. Let me give you an example. And then think about how many stores out there, and I'm talking about stores that are like supermarkets or uh, Costco membership warehouse stores, places like that. Stores like that that have, um, that were built over, you know, decades um, based on certain premises, the premises being, okay, kids are going to get out of college at 21, 22 years of age. They're going to get, they're going to get married. They're going to have a couple of kids, two, three, four kids. They're going to move to the suburbs. They're going to have a house with a basement and, um, they're going to have, and they're going to have a a minivan. And so, and in, you know, a fleet of, of stores have been built up on that premise of a vision of American life. But that vision is changing, and it's changing for lots of reasons. One of the, one of the reasons it's changing is because the enormous amount of student debt that people are coming out of school with, which means they're, they're not getting married as early. So they're getting married later, if they're getting married at all. Um, if they get married later, they're not going to have as many kids. People who might have had three or four kids 20 or 30 years ago now are having one kid, maybe it's second child. They're not necessarily moving to the suburbs. And they're not necessarily getting a big house when they're there, and they may not even own a car. And so what happens is retailers have to start to say, okay, Okay. how are we going to start to prepare ourselves for this changing demographic model in which the center of the target that we used to aim it at is no longer the center of the target? It looks completely different now. Hmm. And so I think it's, it's critical for retailers to start to focus on that. And by the way, look at a company like Ikea, right? What do we yeah. know about IKEA? They offer these big mother stores, right? And they're you know they take forever to get through. Um, there's a line from 30 Rock where Tina Fey Tina say IKEA is when marriages go to die. And <laughs> um, um, yeah. the and the thing is is but IKEA is opening urban small stores. Which are a place where you can go in, you can go on, uh, you can go on the computer, you can start to do things in terms of measuring. They can help you figure out rooms. You can then go back there and pick up the stuff that 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 you're ordering online. You can get help. Hopefully, somebody can help people to, you know, because that stuff's impossible to build for people like me. But they have decided that they no longer can 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 they exclusively focus on these big stores that did business a certain way. And that, to me, is when a company like Ikea does that, it, it is a, um, a fundamental and critical insight um, that has the potential of changing their business completely.
1: Huh. That, that, that's um, it's such a unique way to think about it when you think about the changing consumer, the changing American, and how that will have a spilldown down effect on everything.
2: Well, think about, okay, give you another example right here in Los Angeles. Okay. Nordstrom Local. Nordstrom Local on Melrose, great Nordstrom store. You walk in, there's, there's, you know, I think they have coffee, they have a wine bar, they have wonderful people to take care of you. They have places, uh, changing rooms. The one thing they don't have is racks of clothes. Because right. when, when you only go to Nordstrom Local, when you, or you can pick out the things online you want to try, they have it delivered to the store. You can go in, try them on, buy the stuff you want to buy. They have somebody there to, to work on the tailoring for you, and that's it. But Nordstrom obviously made a decision that they wanted to test out this concept of, you know, something. Not everybody's going to go to these three-floor department stores, which are beautiful, but they're not necessarily um, designed for the consumer of 2019. And, uh, And they're probably really thinking they're not designed for the consumer of 2025 or 2029. So how do we start to develop a different model? That allows us to be relevant to the consumer, but, change, you know, but, but changes the way we are going to interact with them. Again, a really smart thing to do.
1: God, I um, uh, I, I didn't even know about that Nordstrom. Um, wh- now, what about and maybe we save this for for the next um, section? But you know, from the world that I'm sitting in in Los Angeles, with all these content creators, a lot of them are talking about the future of retail being in immersive environments. So AR and VR and, uh, you know, buying inside of a Microsoft HoloLens. Um, Is that something that you put a lot of validity inside of?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if... I think that there are going to be lots of examples of that. There's going to be a lot of tests of it. I, I don't know if it becomes commonplace in five years, ten years, fifteen years, experience tells me that it'll probably happen faster than I expect than I would I would guess. Um, but there are going to be a lot of technological um, there are going to be a lot of technological innovations along those lines that are going to be really really interesting, and I think will um, I think will again you know push push the 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 limits in terms of what people um, you know how people. Uh, create relationships um, with retailers. And I think that's a, I think that's going to be really, really important. Um, I can give you an example. I can give you an example. Hold that thought, Kevin. Hold that thought because we commercial. have to take a
1: quick break. <laughs> we're going to come back with Kevin Coop, who's just dropping all these great insights of the future of the American consumer and how it's going to impact the future of retail. And we're going to dig more into the impact of immersive content in retail when we come back with the fabulous Kevin Koop, the content guy, um prime Prime storyteller and also host of the morning Newsbeat.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
1: Are you a business leader or
3: executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the
1: Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around
3: the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more.
2: Achieve more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
3: Business community's first choice in internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
0: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv.
1: All right, and we've been talking with the author of Retail Rules, 52 Ways to Achieve Retail Success, and that's Kevin Coop. and we were just going over some of the hot trends in retail, including immersive content and leveraging immersive technologies to shop, and I know, Kevin, you were about to dig into some interesting points there.
2: Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say that, um, you asked me what I thought that was gonna, where that was going to go. And, um, you know, I'm always learning. I, I, I'm not a technology person. I'm i I'm just a writer who uh, who tries to ask intelligent questions and occasionally giving intel- intelligent answers. Your audience can tell me whether I've done that or not today. Um, <laughs> but I actually on a, on, 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 my podcast, which is called retail tomorrow, which we're going to be taping, um, tomorrow it'll, it'll, won't be out for a couple of weeks. Um, And uh, I'm going to have a guest named Amanda Salosky, who is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Rival Theory, which is in the AI um, business. And if I understand, I'm I'm going to try and uh, if I understand what their business model is or where they're going, um, this is how it would work. Uh, And I'm going to use I'm going to use an example. So let's suppose that um, a retailer in Southern California, let's say Bristol Farms. Has a, it creates a relationship with Martha Stewart, and what they're going to, and I as I as the consumer, or you as the consumer, you could be, They're going to be able to create the ability to have in your home or in your office a what is essentially, I think, a hologram of Martha Stewart. And it's going to be, remember the doctor on Star Trek Voyager? you state the me- nature of the medical emergency. That's yes. essentially what this is going to be, although it won't be able to, you know, do a lot of the things the doctor. It won't be able to have physical contact with you. But that, that represent- representative or that representation of Martha Stewart could be there. And, uh, and it's not like Martha Stewart herself has to do anything other than li- license out her license or her likeness. Because they are going to have access to everything she ever wrote and everything she has ever uh, recorded either on video or audio. So they've got everything. It being machine learning, okay? it being artificial intelligence, it is only going to get smarter and learn in terms of the interactions that it has with the consumer. So let's suppose you go home and you've got this thing in, in, in your kitchen. You walk into the kitchen and you, um, you say, hey, Martha. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of making a, um, a seafood risotto, um, for dinner tonight. Martha comes on and says, my, you know, Laura, that's a great idea. You know, in fact, I've got a great recipe for seafood risotto. It's going to knock your socks off and I'll walk you through it. So as you're making it, I'll help you make it. So I'll be here to give you advice and help you make it. And by the way, Lori, would you like me to order all the ingredients from, from Bristol Farms for you? and you say yes and all of a sudden they order it maybe 2 hours later the ingredients show up that is now is that going to happen tomorrow absolutely not but i think it is going to happen and when you think about it think about you know if um you know if uh, Martha Stewart and Rachel Ray get get into that business or uh, other people who with other kinds of expertise get into that business, suddenly you're going to have this kind of virtual, uh, uh, virtual consulting community out there that are going to actually be able to outlive um, even the people who do it. I mean, um, uh, Amanda said to me, she goes, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to be able to go to a, mo- a brand new movie that is going to star Paul Newman, Marlon Brando, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth Taylor, all of whom have been dead for years. But right because right, because right. virtual re- because this technology is getting so much better, they're going to actually be able to do that now, I think there's a part of me that thinks that's a little creepy, but I also think that it but it tells us where the world is going, and I think the notion of it being available to retailers makes an awful lot of sense I mean think when in in some ways we're not that far away from it when you think about um Alexa or, or google home right I mean. When I when Amanda was telling me this, one of my first reactions was, Jeff Bezos has got to have a thousand people in Seattle working on this because right now, Alexa is just a disembodied voice who will respond to very specific questions. But Alexa doesn't really learn, right? In, in other words, if I I could I could ask ask Alexa five times in a row, "What's the temperature outside?" and at no point does Alexa say, "Hey, idiot! I've already told you four times. What's wrong with you?" Um, but, but, and it's, so there's no, there's, so the interactions are limited plus there's no physical representation, but it isn't hard to imagine that down the road, Alexa, um, could end up not just learning so we can have more meaningful interactions. Or that Alexa could ha- uh, have a, a some sort of physical representation, and that physical representation might be might be um, created by the person who's using it. So I might decide I want Alexa to be five foot six and have red hair, or I could decide I want her to you know to be eight foot nine and and, and you know and, and whatever. You know what I'm saying? So all yeah. of this is it seems to me is seems entirely possible, and I dare say almost inevitable in terms of where things are going Um, because there are people, there are just people who are so smart about this stuff. They're figuring this stuff out.
1: Right. Um, I think think you're absolutely right. I've actually heard some of my um, studio and network colleagues who are working in AI talking about translating their IP into characters and leveraging, you know, voice, um, voice activation engines for it, so the, so it it's per- kind of it, exciting it, it, to think it, about it, and also on the slightly creepy side, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I assume what this means is that when I'm dead, my kids will be able to license out my likeness if they thought they could make any money on the deal. Um, you know, uh, so okay, and that's fine. I mean, if you think about it. There are a lot of there are a lot of um, uh, book series. That are being that are currently being written by not by the people who created the book series. I mean, Robert Waldblum has been dead for, I think, twenty years or something like that. And but books carrying his name still come out, right? Because that's <laughs> because that is that has become an industry. Um, you know, I mean, so I think that the idea of of being able to mine all of this, all of this information, all of this data, all of this, um, all these personalities, and and put them out there, uh, I just think it's it's inevitable. It's just a question of when the technology catches up with what I I I just said. And again where it really gets interesting though is if if there's a connection to me the if there's a connection to the to the retail experience in terms of what we're talking about um right. it gets interesting if suddenly you know Home Depot has a has an expert carpenter who can help you build stuff because and you, and then a lot, and then interesting and then instantly I was able to order the stuff from Home Depot
1: Right. And then you, know, you have a carpenter at your house yeah. helping you in an AR helping form because so much of, um, you know, like for me, I, I didn't manage the outside of my home when I first purchased it. And now I am and I am totally lost all the time. And, I, you know, I'm finding myself watching YouTube videos but being afraid to do things. So if I had like an AR expert companion kind of guiding mm-hmm. me through how to fix things, um, I would be all over that.
2: You know, it's funny, you, you you asked me earlier about trends. So um, I'll be quoting myself here, which is sort of obnoxious, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, one of the things that I've been saying for years is that retailers are going to have to stop just being a source of product and are going to have to become a resource for the shopper. It's no longer going to be good enough just to have the items because You know, 90% of all items are available in, you know, are available in a lot of different places. But if you can develop, if you can become a resource for the shopper and all the things that means in terms of information, in terms of security, in terms of um, being trustworthy, uh, in terms of being able to ask questions on a wide variety of subjects related to the thing you're selling, you then, you transcend the notion of just being a person who sells stuff businesses sell stuff. So I think that's critical. I think it's critical to go beyond being a source of product, become a resource um, um, for, the, for the consumer, and it, it, it just means it's going to mean so much more. And I think the retailers that do that are the retailers that are going to be successful long-term, that are going to be able to do more uh, in terms of competing with some of the behemoths out there. Because they will have a created a level of trust with the consumer, and, be at the, and they've developed a relationship.
1: Right. And so you're talking about be, you know um, almost curating an expertise that they offer. Yeah. So that I'll, I'll go to that store instead of another.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And another, and, uh, and I also think in terms of being successful long term, and I think this is also going to become a trend. It's you know uh, we we've all I think overused the the, the the term relevance when we're talking about retailers uh, you know they got to be relevant uh, they got to be relevant to the consumer i think that's still true i think relevance is still is always going to be important but i think i've uh, been thinking lately that almost more impo- uh, at least as important as relevance is going to be resonance because relevance appeal, appeal uh, connects you to the brain but resonance connects you to the heart and I think the, the the retailers, again, that are going to be successful are the ones who are, who are going to make their experience, whether it's physical or virtual or some combination thereof, resonant to people so they they connect to it in a, in a more visceral way.
1: God, I, lo- I love that. All right, we're going to have to take one more break um, before we um, finish the show. We'll be back in a moment with Kevin Koop, who is um, blowing my mind a little bit with some great insights. <laughs> I mean... It's not that I didn't expect you would say smart things, but when I hear them, I'm like, oh, my God, that's really smart and interesting. We'll be back with Kevin Coop who's dropping insights on the future of retail. And check out his book, Retail Rules, 52 Ways to Achieve Retail Success. Um, some great insights here. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Catch Show.
0: From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori
1: at TechCat.tv. All right, and we are back with author retail smarty pants, Kevin Coop, who's been dropping insights all episode long on the future of retail. Um, now, Kevin, where do you go or what are you reading to keep up? Because things are changing so fast. So I know you, you talk on your weekly show. And again, that, that is tell us the name of the show.
2: So retail, um, I'll explain it because it gets kind of complicated and, 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 it, and sometimes I have trouble keeping it straight. So I have a, I have a website called MorningNewsBeat.com. And morning newspeak, as for almost from more than eighteen, more than seventeen years, has um, basically what I do is I I I read this and this partially answered your question. I probably read, and by read I mean skim, um, the business pages and other sections of of probably thirty or forty newspapers and magazines every day. And I look for stories that I think um, are going to uh, illuminate a point that I think needs to be made about retailing. So I recap a little bit of what those what those stories say, and then I provide some commentary. I provide some perspective, and I try to get my my um, my audience. And I have about thirty thousand readers um, of Morning Newsbeat. I get you know I try to provoke them into thinking about the world in in different ways. and And sometimes listen. Sometimes they're business stories, and sometimes there's. You know, there'll be a sports story that I think illustrates something really interesting. Um, sometimes it'll be uh, uh, some story about film or television that I think is interesting. I mean, um, and so I'm always trying just to provoke people into thinking differently about about business. Um, and I and I get tons of email. Uh, some of it tells me I'm a jerk. Some of it tells me that they think I'm right. And some of them just and sometimes I get. Um, uh, I get these extraordinary letters um, from people who are sharing their, you know, their experiences at retailer and sometimes in life, um, you know, and, 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 and that's been sort of remarkable. I, I was funny. I was cleaning out my office the other day and I, um, I don't know if your audience knows what a service coin is, but a service coin is something that people in the military have when they've been detailed to a specific place. And I, I had forgotten I had this, which I'm kind of ashamed of. Um, but I had a service coin from um, a soldier who served um, in the Middle East um, uh, and who had sent it to me because he was there as a reservist. And he said, uh, and he worked for a supermarket company. And he sent it to me because he said he read Morning Newsbeat every day to keep him in touch with his old life because he needed to have that kind of tether, which was just... How lovely is that? Oh, no, totally lovely. So that's Morning Newsbeat. And then... And then retail tomorrow, podcast, which is a new series of podcasts. We're going to have anywhere from twelve to twenty of them this year, and we're going to hopefully bang up the frequency a little bit next year, do them at least um, you know a couple of times a month. Again, talking to people um, people in the retail business, people on the technology side, but focusing on the world where the world is going, and you're not just looking at best practices, but what we'd like to call next practices, and, um, because we think that's, a, that's got a lot of value to it. So that's a podcast, and, and I, I get really smart people to come on this podcast. It's been really extraordinary. In fact, I have an upcoming po- podcast where I have um, this really smart technology person. I don't know if you've heard of her, Lori Schwartz she's going to be on my <laughs> funny, um,
1: funny, but so, keep it going. I love hearing it.
2: <laughs> and so, and so, um, and so that's, that's my, uh, those are the two places that I spend most of my time. And in both cases, I just read a ton. I'm just one of those people who just tends to, um, I, I read a lot, especially, um, newspapers and magazines, um, and websites, obviously, Because I'm fascinated by where the world is going, and like I said before, you know, I started out in newspapers, and and so I'm sort of learning as I go along too, Um, and and ultimately I sort of while I'm I always consider myself first and foremost a writer. I'm not not a consultant; I don't do that. Um, But I'm also something of a teacher, um, I think, uh, which is one of the reasons that I love going up to Portland State University every summer up in Oregon not to mention the fact that it's gorgeous in Oregon during the summer, but also because I love spending time in the classroom with, with, with students and encouraging them to think about the world in, in different sort of ways and, and uh, so applying some of their own personal experiences to where they're going to go in terms of business.
1: Huh. Um, I, lo- I love, I um, love also just the dedication that you've put to your, to, to morning news beat and how you've just stayed at it. Cause so much of a, when you hear about content strategy, is is how much you just have to keep being consistent in order to build an audience, um, you know, you know, uh, and, listen, and keep I, that all I, going.
2: Yeah, I started out with probably um, it's a it's a long and sorted story how I ended up doing it. Suffice it to say, I was working on another website where the experience was not a good one, and and I finally decided, I, you know, something. If I'm going to screw around with my career, I'm going to screw around with my career. And see if I can make something of it. And I think I would probably start with about 100 people who are just in my personal Rolodex. Um, and I should tell your your listeners that if you don't know what a Rolodex is, you got to look it up on Google um, because that's a term that is largely outmoded. Um, but the uh, you know, but I started with 100 people, and I'm up to 30,000, and it grows every week. Um, and it's just been tremendously gratifying. Um, to create this kind of community of people who who are um, uh, who are just, uh, frankly, most of them are lots of fun. Because every once in a while, I'll go to a city and I'll say I'm going to be at such and such a bar. And, you know, I like I'll go to I'll go to Seattle and I, and there's a bar there called Edis a Restaurant Bar that are there called Edis E T T A apostrophe S. I'm going to give them a free plug here, and they have the, one of the best bartenders on the planet. His name is Morgan. <laughs> and by the way, any, any of your, any of your any of your listeners ever go to Seattle? uh Tuesday through Friday after five o'clock, go to the bar uh, at Edda's, ask for Morgan tell him Kevin sent you, he'll crack up and he'll take good care of you. Anyway, uh, but I'll do things like if I'm in Seattle and I'll just I'll put it on my on my website and say, I'm gonna be at Edda's on Thursday from uh, five to six thirty. Anybody wanna come by and have a, a drink? I'd love to see you and you're like dozens of people will show up.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> because that's they're that's total game. you're like a mini mini superstar um all right so that's morningnewsbeat.com and then people can again check out your books the big picture essential business lessons from the movies and retail rules 52 ways to achieve retail success and if you were going to give um someone a piece of advice about how to keep up with the changes in retail what what would it be is there a book to read a website to follow um or or just uh you know an approach to it all
2: I think it's really—it's always been important to me, and this shows itself probably, you know, in, in terms of certainly in, in terms of the approach we took when we wrote the big picture. I always think it's really important to get outside um, your comfort zone. I think it's incredibly important to um, to uh, read a little Shakespeare. Um, I think it's important to go see things that you're that you're not—you wouldn't ordinarily do. Um, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like particularly the opera, but it's probably a good thing for me to go every once in a while because it opens my mind. So I think it's really important to kind of get outside, um, one's comfort zone. And so that's one of the things I always encourage people to do is, you know, go to, if you've never, if I don't go to the theater very often, go to a play, go to a musical and, and have that experience. And then by the way, if you, especially if you're in a retail, I think, Retailing. Think about how you could translate that live experience and that the thrill of being live um, to your store. So I'm a, I'm a bug on 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 doing things on, on trying stuff that allows you to see the world in a different way. Um, and, and I sometimes I mean that both metaphorically and I mean it um, yeah, actually. One of the most one of the proudest one of the proudest is not the right word. One of the best things I've ever done in my life is I climbed the Sydney, uh, the, 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 uh, the bridge at Sydney, Australia, the one that everybody knows that goes right by the opera house. And in fact, you can take, you could, there, there are tours. They take you to the top of the bridge. Um, it is very, very high up. And I'm terrified of heights. Uh, I am not a good heights person, but I decided that that was something I really wanted to do. And they, you know, that you're hooked up. So you're not going to fall and kill yourself, but it doesn't matter if you're really scared of heights. But I did it once. And it was one of the best things I did because I got to see the world in a different way. Huh. And as I, I love say, that. But that, that is both an actual example and a metaphorical example. To see the world differently.
1: <laughs> and, and what a, a what position. a beautiful way to, to wrap up this podcast. <laughs> 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 um, Kevin Coop Dropping Insights, left and right. Check out morningnewsbeat.com. And Kevin, I can't thank you enough. This has been so interesting and insightful. A really different look at at um, what's happening out there with the consumer and how retail is going to respond to it. Um, so, check out all of Kevin's books, and we'll be back next week with hopefully another insightful speaker on the TechCat show. Thanks so much for joining.
2: Thanks a lot.